Amen. What a great, great job of leading us to the throne of grace and worship. It's a joy to be able to be together to praise God alongside brothers and sisters in Christ. But those that are in this room and those that are joining us online, again, we are just glad that you are here. You are here and a part of worship today. Uh, I want to just pray for us as we dig into the Word of God together and as we begin this new series in the book of Proverbs that we're going to be walking through the next many weeks, really getting to the heart of what God is teaching us here in this book. So let's go to the Lord now as a church. Lord, we just thank you for this opportunity to be together. God, we come before you now seeking wisdom. We know that true wisdom is found in your word. God, I pray that you would just open our hearts to genuinely hear from you and to do more than simply hear, but also to go and do what it is you've called us to do. May we do that today. We ask these things in your precious name. Amen. It is the word of God that gives us the guidance and the leading to show us what real wisdom is, what real truth is, and who our real shepherd is. If you are one of our teenagers, one of our students that are in here right now, our students are focusing on a message series with Brian right now, Jesus is Our Shepherd. If you have somebody, if you have a kid in our kids' ministry, they are focusing right now on self-control. But whether it is one of those areas of focus or some other area of focus that you have going on in your own life, the good news is that in all of those areas, it is Jesus that we look to. It is his word that we look to. It is the wisdom that is found in his word that is going to show us and tell us what it is we need to be, how it is we need to be, and is going to help us rise above what is frequently our carnal nature, which just means like our hearts want what they want, and they are going to take us down paths that are not always best for us. And our responses to people, our attitudes toward people around us are not always led by wisdom, are they? They are frequently led by the desires of our heart, the wrongs that have been done to our heart. So it comes out in anger. I read in the AJC, you know, the Atlanta Journal-Constitution a couple of weeks ago, true story, there's this shop owner, he owns a, a car shop down in Peachtree City, and he got into it with one of his employees. I don't know the details of what happened with this employee, but he had to fire, or he did fire, this employee. Well, there must have been some seriously bad blood there between them, because this guy that owned the shop decided he wasn't going to pay this guy for the last month of his work. So again, I don't, I don't know the details. I just know he wasn't going to pay him. So eventually, there must have been enough pressure put on the shop owner that he decided he was going to have to pay the guy. And so he did. But he paid him in pennies for a whole month's worth of work. It was almost $1,000. It was 91,500 pennies. And I'm not talking about like neatly rolled. That would have been bad enough. No, he took 91,500 pennies, dipped them in motor oil, and dumped them on this dude's driveway. True story. As you might imagine, the lack of wisdom there caught up. Because even in that, his lack of wisdom wasn't done. 
He also had t-shirts printed. True story. Feel free to Google it. He had t-shirts printed that said, penny for your thoughts, celebrating what he had done and was selling those in his shop. Yeah, true. Now, I think we would all look at that and say, that was probably not the wisest choices. And as you might imagine, there is litigation that is following from this guy. So all that being said, these are decisions born out of, and I think we'd all agree, a lack of wisdom. Yes? Not great choices. But we've all been guilty. Every single one in this room has been guilty of making choices that were not informed and influenced by wisdom. Everybody here, if I asked you, hey, do you want wisdom? You want to be a wise person? I mean, everybody would say, well, yeah, of course. I want to make wise choices. I want to do the right thing, however you'd kind of frame it. But so many of us fail to actually live in the pursuit of it. Because listen, you do not stumble into wise behavior. You will not frequently anyway find yourself stumbling into making wise choices. Wisdom has to be something that we actually pursue. It has to be an, something we are actively seeking out. Ultimately, all of us ought to be chasing after it, pursuing it, looking to what the Word of God says about wisdom. And that's certainly what we're going to do in this series. This book of Proverbs is unique. It's, it's beautiful, it's powerful, and it's unique. Because really, it is a collection for, for the minds of the people of God for their inquiring minds to pursue and seek out wisdom and the value of doing exactly that. Many of its instructions in the book are really self-contained thoughts that are arranged in a way that's easy to remember. So they actually become really practical. And what's really cool, too, about this book is that you will oftentimes see the wise choices juxtaposed or set against the not-so-wise choices. The, the wise and the foolish choice, if you will, set aside one another so that you can examine it and say, and, and listen to the word of God saying, no, this is what you need to be doing. See, the book of Proverbs is unique. As I've said, it's just, it's a beautifully unique book in the sacred text, the Bible. Uh, there's a noted theologian named uh, James Smith, and this is what he says about the uniqueness of Proverbs. He says, unlike the law or the books of the law, Proverbs says next to nothing about sacrificial worship. He says, unlike the historical books, Proverbs does not allude to Israel's past or its popular heroes. Unlike the prophetic books, Proverbs has nothing to say of Israel's fate, good or bad, period. Unlike the songs. He says, this book, unlike the songs, has no devotional material. All of those themes lie outside of the focus of the book of Proverbs, this guy says. And he's right. Look, because here's the thing. It's really a practical book. So I know that frequently we look at the Old Testament, Old Testament and we think, well, I don't really know, man. This is the language in this, I, I don't really understand necessarily what they're saying or what they're talking about. Sometimes the language is not maybe the exact language we would be using today. It's spoken or it's written in ways we maybe don't use frequently, and that's fine. 
I can understand a little bit of disconnect there. But what I want to make really, really clear today and throughout this series is that the book of Proverbs is filled with very practical and applicable information for your day in and your day out life if you will listen and apply it to your hearts. It's going to be like a powerful devotion type material for all of us if we will focus in on it because it is going to help us figure out how to devote our lives most fully to the Lord in wisdom. It, it will do that. And, and the cool thing, too, about the book of Proverbs is that really throughout history, this book has been loved by Jew and, and then ultimately Christian alike. Because what it really did was take much of the commands of Moses that were found in the law and made them, as I've said, very simple and applicable. So I, I hope you're going to find that. Because, look, they, they, they take these big thoughts and they put them into little bite-sized bits of wisdom. And those little bite-sized bits that we might not otherwise think much about, they can add up to a lot because they begin as head knowledge a little bit at a time. And over time, as we apply the word of God to our lives, that little bit of wisdom, as it is stacked atop one another, has a big payoff and impact on our heart. Let me explain what I mean, how a little bit can become a lot and how we don't always see when it's just a little bit that it can end up making a major impact. If you go every day to McDonald's and you get a value, meal, hey, I'm going to go get a Big Mac meal. It's like eight bucks, whatever it is with inflation. I don't know. It might be more now. Eight bucks. You go to McDonald's and you, you go and get a meal. doesn't seem like a big deal. Right, go and do that, and it's not, not, not a big deal. But if you go and do that every single day, and then twice on weekend days, and now that's a lot of McDonald's, but okay, if you did that, that would be $72, $72 a week. So now your, your eight bucks has magnified to 72. And if you took that $8, and then that $72, and you spread that out over the year, in one year, if you continued on that path, it'd be $3,744. That's a lot of money. Now, if you took that $3,744, if you could manage to keep saving that for five years, you'd have $18,720, and you could buy yourself a new car. Maybe to take you somewhere healthier to eat. I don't know. But listen, you could. You could do that. And, and over time, of course... There's big payoff. So the idea is the same with what we see in the book of Proverbs. In many ways, it will feel a little bit disjointed or disconnected because we will see different paths and perspectives from a multitude of areas when it comes to being wise. But the idea is one I've just laid before you. When you put it all together, man, it's going to be a big impact. So let's jump into it. Proverbs 1. I know I spent a lot of time introducing it, but we always do this when we start a new book because I want to help you understand it as best we can. Let's start building up in our lives. First, here it is. Proverbs 1, 1 through 7. The Proverbs of Solomon, son of David, king of Israel. So you can tell that there's no doubt about who wrote this. Uh, Solomon, obviously. For attaining wisdom and discipline, for understanding words of insight. For acquiring a disciplined and prudent life, doing what is right 
and just and fair. I'll say again, those are all things we would want to be associated with doing what is right and just and fair. Verse 4, for giving prudence to the simple, knowledge and discretion to the young, and let the wise listen and add to their learning, and let the discerning get guidance. Now, here's what I really love about those last two verses. No one is left out. The young, the wise, the those who think they're wise, everybody's covered in this. And the idea, of course, is that you have never moved past the need to assimilate this word to your life, to your heart. There's always something more you can learn from what is known here. It is known as the wisdom literature. It is supposed to be handing off to us wisdom. Look at verse 6. It says, for understanding Proverbs and parables, the sayings and riddles of the wise, which is uh, just Solomon's way of saying this is what this is going to be like in these Proverbs and parables I'm going to teach you. And then he gets to the heart of the matter here in verse 7. And this is what I spent a lot of time this morning introducing. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. But fools despise wisdom and discipline. It's a very simple idea this morning. That if we desire to be wise, we will pursue, first and above all, the ways of God. Wisdom comes, and this is the first big idea for us this morning, wisdom comes from fearing the Lord. I didn't say it, Solomon said it. The Word of God says it. Now, to be clear, when we talk about fearing the Lord in this context, we don't mean cowering in fear of the Lord. We mean a healthy, and and the Lord means, a healthy respect and honor towards God that he is due. This is the idea, that we would honor him in this way, that we would look to his path as better than our own, that we would trust his GPS rather than our own personal direction system, which Quite frankly, really at all times for us as human beings, we tend to find ourselves listening too frequently to the desires of our heart. And as I told you earlier, our hearts want what they want when they want it. We chase after what it is we want in the moment. We fail to think through things with a true wisdom. And so we are frequently pursuing things that do not honor God. And it's the same idea behind that person that just says, like, they, they know better than the GPS does. And they have their own, you know, shortcuts. And they're making a trip to South Carolina, and somehow they end up in Tennessee, right? I mean, this, this is that person, right? Now, what, what is at the heart of this, of course, is that we should know better. We should know by the span of our lives, having looked at how many times We've messed something up that we don't know better than God. We know, we, we know that here. But we are led around by the GPS of our hearts that frequently will lie to us. That frequently will take us down paths that are not helpful. And we will find ourselves lost. And at the very least, turned around. Friends, look, I know my own limitations. I don't know them all. 
But one of my limitations is that I have a terrible sense of direction. And my wife loves to joke with me about how bad my sense of direction is. Y'all, I can go into one of y'all's neighborhoods to go visit you and I can't escape, all right? All these neighborhoods, they all look the same to me. I'll turn down one or two roads and get there and I try to get out and I'm like, man, I don't know which way I came in here. I turn left or right or what did I do? I, no kidding, I have to put it in the GPS to escape and take me home, right? And it will. But I just know that that's a limitation of mine. And you know how I know that? Because I've spent my whole life seeing I have a terrible sense of direction and getting lost and not knowing which way I was supposed to go. And at some point, I wisened up to that and said, all right, well, I can just look at the directions and I'm going to go that way. The tr that same truth is true for you and me in our day in and day out life. At some point, though, we got to learn that lesson, don't we? At some point, we have to absorb that truth into our hearts and say, Lord, you know better than I do, and I want to go your way. It's like the prophet Isaiah says in Isaiah 55, 8 and 9, that his ways are higher than our ways. So we should look to him above everything else and above anything else. But what happens is we fall victim. We fall victim again to our own desires and we fall victim to our own plans and just thinking we know better. So I ask you this question, do you think you know better than God? Do you trust in your own wisdom or the Lord's wisdom? That's the answer to the question. I know that when I ask you that question, you immediately thought, no, I don't think I know better than God. But the real question, the real answer to that question, again, is bound up in, do I trust in my own wisdom or the Lord's wisdom? And how is that playing out in my day-to-day -day choices? What does my compass really look like? The Lord is the source of all good wisdom. And so we pursue him above all else. We fear him. We honor him. And when we do that, he'll take us in the right path. And that's really the last part of this today, is that wisdom will continue when we actually follow what the Lord tells us to do. Because this is true. We know what to do. The vast majority of people in this room know what you should do and should not do. You got that part down. The hard part is actually doing it. The hard part is actually saying, yes, I know what I'm supposed to do. And so I am going to make that choice rather than doing what it is I want. This is one of the reasons I love the book of James. James is really kind of like a beautiful counterpoint to the book of Proverbs, and not even so much a counterpoint, that's the wrong word. It is a beautiful complement to the book of Proverbs. It's like a New Testament version to some degree of the wisdom that we find in the book of Proverbs. And it begins, towards the beginning, it begins in James chapter 1 with my favorite verse that's really become my life verse. James chapter 1, verse 22. Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves, but do what it says. And I frequently remind myself of that text because I know it would be easy for me 
to fall into the trap of just continually doing what it is that I want to do, even though I know what it is I'm supposed to do. Let me finish this text before I elaborate on that. Look at verse 23. It says, anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like someone who looks at his face in a mirror and after looking at himself goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. Now, how silly would that be, right? Well, this is the message of James here. In the same way that you not look in a mirror and then forget what you look like, why would you look to the word of God and look to the ways of God, know what that is supposed to be, know what that is supposed to look like, and then just go away and forget it? Well, that'd be foolish. That's his point. He says, whoever looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues in it, not forgetting what they have heard, but doing it, they will be blessed in what they do. And I know that's what we all want. We want to be blessed by God. We want to be wise. But we have choices to make. Every one of us does. Choices to make about our way or God's way. Doing what we know God is telling us to do or ignoring that and doing what we want to do. You know, this is, this is something that everybody in this room knows. Every couple of years, the church, the capital C church and the variety of churches and its leaders around the country and the world, every couple of years, and then it seems like now these days, it's even more frequently than that, a church leader will fall. They'll have some kind of a moral failing and they'll fall apart, and their ministry will fall apart, and they will leave in its wake sometimes thousands of wounded people. It has an impact. People once looked to them as people of great wisdom, and they you know, would listen to what they had to say and wanted to you know, follow their example and so on and so forth as they taught about God. But they fell victim to a problem that is not only common to them as church leaders, it is common to every single one of us, and it's really the, prom, the problem of pride. There is a pride and a cockiness, if you will, that gets hold of our lives, whether you are a church leader or whether you are simply leading the church as a servant in the church like all of you are if you're a Christ follower. You all have a role of leadership. And what happens after a time is that those church leaders will get to the place where they say, you know what, I'm doing enough good, I'm doing so much good, and I'm making so much difference for the good of the kingdom that I don't have to listen even though I know God is telling me about this area that I'm not supposed to be doing or that I've fallen into. I can drown that out and I'm giving myself permission to drown out the voice of God because I'm doing enough good. I'm making enough of a difference. So it's okay. It's okay if I have this little area over here that nobody knows about. I'll remind you of what I've already said. This is not only something that you know, church leaders fall into. This is something that you and I do 
every single day. We tell ourselves these lies. And I've already told you, that is coming from our hearts. Our hearts desire to do what they want to do. People say, oh, listen to your heart. No. Listen to your heart? Are you crazy? Do that? Your heart will mislead you. It will take you down all kinds of places you don't want to be, shouldn't be, can't be. God, you better not go if you are a follower of Jesus. And, and we will tell ourselves anything to convince ourselves that what we want to do is okay. And I'll tell you again, we usually do that by trying to stack up what it is we've done for the Lord and then set it against what it is we don't want to do for the Lord because this is ours and I shouldn't have to do it and it's not that big a deal and nobody's going to know. But And it just doesn't matter because I have this. But that's not how that works. If this doesn't honor the Lord, if this is not in keeping with his wisdom and his guidance in your life, you got to lay it down. I'm talking to me. I'm talking to you. You better believe that I've preached this sermon to myself a lot. Not only because I don't want to fall in the sight of God, first of all. I don't want to fall in the sight of my family. I don't want to fall in the sight of the church that I am honored to lead. And I am far from perfect. But you better believe that I have to preach that sermon to myself all the time. Because I don't want to have that kind of failing and that failure. But you better believe my heart whispers the same lies to me that yours does. That's no, not that big a deal. That's no, not that big a deal. You don't, you don't have to deal with that. You don't have to be honest about that. You don't have to be open about that. You don't have to lay that down. Oh, yes, I do. Oh, yes, you do. If you're going to be honest and true to what the Lord is telling you in your life. We need to get back to pursuing his knowledge his wisdom, his direction, rather than being led around by the nose by our hearts that are daily influenced by the drains and the failures and the disappointments and the frustrations and all these things that tend to creep in and dictate our decisions, our day in and day out decisions. They get led by all of that junk. They just do. You know it and I know it. I wish that I could say that I always got it right. That I always listened to the word of God and always did the right thing. And I didn't allow my, you know, feelings and my frustrations to mess me up. But that would not be true. I feel like I'm telling a lot of stories about McDonald's today. But it just happens to be this closing story is a McDonald's story. Sorry, this is what it is. I was, uh, I had gone a couple of days not even in a row, but a couple of days in the week to go get McDonald's. I wasn't eating the food, just wanted the ice cream. All right? So I go the first time. It was like a Monday. Guess what? The ice cream machine was down. Now these things happen, right? Eh, you know, everybody has these problems. I worked at McDonald's when I was in high school, so, you know, I know. Okay. So then I go back, no kidding, I go back like on Wednesday. I mean, I, I don't know what it was. I just happened to be in the area and I decided, and this is the same McDonald's. 
go in there, drive through. Uh, can I please have an ice cream cone? No ice cream cone. I'm sorry, our ice cream machine is down. Oh, Jesus. Really? It was down like Monday. Oh, yeah, I'm sorry, sir. Nope. Okay. Nope. That was it. Let it, let it go. No big deal. So now we're on the weekend. And now I'm with my family. And we've just had a trip. We were going down towards Atlanta. We did something. I don't remember what we were doing. And uh, we were coming back up. And I thought, man, I'm a great dad. I'm going to stop and get my kids ice cream at McDonald's. What a nice little treat this will be at the end of our little family excursion. So I we pull in. And family's out. like, hey, guys, we're getting ice cream. Oh, great. You know, you know, dad, the hero. We pull in. We get in the drive-thru. Go and pull up to the thing. Uh, can we please have uh, some ice cream? Oh, I'm sorry, sir. Our ice cream machine is broken. I, I wish I could say that I responded well to that. Instead, I said something in the lines of, you stink. And then I drove off in anger. True story. Yeah, I know. I did that. And now, and I'm not proud of that. I just want you to know this. I'm not afraid to tell you of my own failings. I drove off, and now, guess what? My kids will not let me hear the end of this, right? They will not let me hear the end of this, that I lost my temper with the McDonald's burger. This poor lady who's just like, I don't know, what's this guy so upset about, right? And I felt so bad almost immediately. But I responded out of my heart's frustration. I responded out of that that, that, you know, something I wanted that I couldn't have, and it made me mad. And don't you know that that is like a microcosm of all of our lives? And so if we are not continue, continually filling our lives up with the things of God and with his wisdom and with his direction, as I've told you earlier, we will find ourselves consistently stumbling into behavior that does not honor the Lord. And what happens is that ends up affecting our witness. That ends up affecting who people see, how they see Jesus in us and all this. And now, you know, she couldn't see me. I hope she didn't know who I was uh, in a McDonald's drive-thru. I hope she didn't know. But anyway, I, you know, in that particular instance, it may, maybe not a big impact. I don't know. But what I do know is I want to be better. I want to honor God with my choices. And I want to look to his word day in and day out and do the right thing to honor him and make wise choices. My prayer for you, whether you are an unbeliever that needs to today take up Christ as your compass and follow him with your whole life, or whether you are a Christian here today that needs to refocus your direction on the ways of Christ, whichever one of those boats you find yourself in, my prayer is for you today that you will seek him out that you will go to his word, that you will honor him above all and lay down your sin, lay down your trappings and your failures and your heart's desires that far too often lead you astray. Today is a day for honesty. Today is a day to bring it before the Lord. Today is a day for the pursuit of wisdom. May you and I go there together. Will you pray with me?